All for one. And one for all. On God! One for all! I have the heart of a musketeer. On God! You're listening to the True Musketeers Podcast. Brought to you by Fencing Club Trekant. The largest and oldest fencing club in Denmark. Welcome to the True Musketeers podcast and the very first episode. I'm your host, Thijs Andersen Samsi, and with me today, I have a very special guest. It's the foil coach of the club. It's my very good friend, Mr. Melde Mark. Welcome to the show, Melde. Hi, everyone. So good to have you on the show. Yeah. How are uh, you doing? I'm doing well. It uh, feels great to sit here with you and uh, doing my very, very first podcast ever. I've uh, been on television and stuff many times, but this is definitely my first podcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, truth be told, mine as well. So this is a brand new medium that we are doing. So I guess the question yeah. is, we're both Danish, right? Now speaking English. Yeah. And uh, I guess good reason for that. Since the the fencing market, so to speak, is a little um, smaller in Denmark. That's true. The fencing community in Denmark uh, is not very big. I think we're like what is it, like sixteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, I think so, approximately. In the entire country. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a small community and hence doing a podcast in Danish, you know, obviously going to be hugely popular for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's not going to break any any barriers uh, on, on the international scene, I guess. I think not. No, um, I, I don't think there are that many people who will understand Danish. Um, so. so strange times we're living in currently. And, you know, a lot of things is, uh, is happening. Uh, I mean, just coming out of uh, of covid or at least a lot of the world is coming out of covid it's been the, with the challenging uh, travel uh, canceled the competition stuff like that but there's another thing going on right now we just thought we were back on the scene how is your perception of that obviously it's uh, immensely frustrating that we're in this situation now with the with the crisis in the ukraine or the war in ukraine i should probably say um the like we have just gone through two seasons that have been absolutely amputated by by covid especially uh like the that year from spring the spring of 2020 and then a year from that was absolutely horrible and then just last spring in april 2021 we started traveling again a little bit uh actually it was in march uh we were in in doha for the first competition. So I'm mainly speaking as a, a, a foil coach, I should say. Uh, so my uh, my uh, world kind of started up again in in uh, in March 2021. And we did that. And then we did the uh, zone, Olympic zone qualification in, in Spain. And, um, but it kind of marked a time where we thought that things would get better. And it kind of did. And then, of course, uh, the Omicron variant hit the world this winter. Or I think it was around December, I think. And uh, we were back in lockdown. So, like, several competitions have been canceled. And, uh, like, men's foil fencing, there have only been... They've been doing just two two events uh, in, in the entire season. So, we've hardly been fencing. 
Um, there was the one in Paris in, in January, and I just got home from Cairo last week. So, uh, yeah, that's it. As you said, the whole community is kind of on standby and everything. Uh, everybody, I, th- I think, has been looking forward to going into the competition circuit, at least those uh, that are active. The club has been struggling, uh, I know, worldwide with the lockdown and all the restriction there. But as you mentioned, the, the, the war on, on Ukraine right now is setting, um, I mean, is disrupting, I guess, uh, what we thought were uh, a re-entry into normality. Yeah, yeah. Especially again for men's foil because we were uh, we we have a uh, we usually have a, a uh, World Cup in in St. Petersburg in late April, and that has of course been canceled now as well. So we we're we're like looking forward to that event and uh, really planned for it. And now that's uh, I mean, had a, a war broken out in any other country in the world, and it will probably not have been a, 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 an issue, but uh, obviously we can't go to Russia right now. No. Um, so I, I know there are a few fences. Uh, there was the uh, EP World Cup in Sochi. So that was just before, uh, just before the war, I think. And maybe just setting the scene there, because um, we might have somebody that will listen to this podcast and maybe not, you know, too involved in fencing. Maybe they are fencers, but haven't really been fencers for a long time and know the dynamics of fencing. Um, but the truth is that, that the International Fencing Federation uh, was uh, led by, or is, uh, he's on pause now, <laughs> uh, led by a uh, Russian um, for a long time. Um, yep. And obviously that that's posed some challenges here. Uh, I think one of the one of the good things, I mean, uh, in, and it's not a good thing, but it needs somebody uh, was taking a stand, and that was the International Olympic Committee kind of encouraging all the sports association, federations, stuff like that, to um, to take action. And uh, we've been waiting in the fencing world, obviously, because this has, um, you know, a impact on, on the season and, and all the competitions as well, but also to see, you know, what would the International Fencing Federation do uh, now that... that there's a, a Russian, uh, high-placed Russian, I should say, uh, leading the the fencing federation. Yeah, well, yeah. So the uh, uh, president of the International Fencing Federation is uh, Alisher Usmanov, who is, I think, on the Forbes list. He's like the 28th wealthiest man in the world. Uh, he uh, earned a lot of. He was one of the first to buy Facebook stocks and. Uh, I believe he had a past in in uh, Gazprom, the Russian gas company. So he's definitely one of the uh, so-called Russian oligarchs, and has actually been in the media a lot lately because his uh, humongous yacht was impounded in uh, in Germany somewhere. So a huge yacht, like with the biggest swimming pool in the world, uh, in in a private yacht, and like two helipads and whatever. Uh, well, basically the kind of boat that I want. But anyway. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, so he's been in the media a lot. And so, of course, now he's uh, he he stepped back uh, temporarily as the uh, president of the Federation. And, of course, it leaves some kind of a power vacuum. But the thing is that uh, fencing has been heavily influenced by by Russians for a very long time. And so, therefore, it was it's, it's probably a little difficult for the FIE to really you know, put up a, a, a strong stance against the mm. war in Ukraine, I think. Yeah, but but at least I saw the, the announcement from the FIE and, and they were really just 
you know, telling everybody that then enforced the IOC decision uh, and went ahead and moved all the competitions from Russia and Belarus. So maybe not a stance, but just a, a, at least an implementation of, of the EOC guidelines. And I think we saw that for the National Federation in Denmark locally as well, uh, those just encouraging all the smaller associations to enforce the IOC. So um, definitely, you know, uh, strange times, strange times indeed. Strange, strange times. And we must also uh, remember the fact that the like Elisha Usmanov has put in a lot of money in in fencing over the past many years and uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, that that money is probably not gonna flow uh, as much now as it used to so it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how the the financial what the financial situation is like in the FIE now I think I definitely I mean at least from from my perspective being in the sport for many many years it seems that under his leadership though Fencing has been very visible in in the media. At least, uh, you know, now we can stream. Uh, obviously, technology has something to do with it. Hence, we are doing a podcast now. It's just very visible. So every competition is covered with a live stream to YouTube and stuff like that. Something that, that we haven't seen before. And again, obviously moving into to a very technology and, and social media oriented world that also had an impact, but the money is there. And has been there for the bigger competitions to actually do something. It's true, uh, but <clears throat> I think uh, that when he took over, it was also a different, a different time. Like there would, you know, live streaming something live on the internet was more difficult back then. Like the bandwidth was probably not that great back then. Um, I'm sure like Lenny Rock would probably have loved to do live stream and stuff, but it was just a, a technical challenge. So you were really just down to hoping that Eurosport would prioritize the world championship and the Olympics enough that you could actually see some fencings like maybe twice a year if you were lucky. Uh, and then a little bit on YouTube, but that was basically it. So so it's true that, that he, his money probably helped with that, but I also think it was just a different time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, with the live stream and, and stuff and technology um, circling back, we did we definitely did something recently as well, uh, because again, the community, the fencing community in Denmark is, is quite small, but uh, over the last couple of years, uh, we have been uh, we have been live streaming from, from our uh, bigger events. Mm. Also, last time we did a commentary as well. Yeah. Uh, just circling back, so you know, you saw it on, on Eurosport and you were lucky if it was there, you were really lucky if it had commentary as well yeah um so so it's not been as visible but you know everybody is kind of doing things since technology is available for for doing that at a at a low cost actually so definitely changed the game for a lot of sports not only fencing but you know and and you have to be on the forefront to to just be visible again in the space so it's just a different competition but definitely you know uh, things has changed in in every sense of of that word Circling back maybe to uh, to fill in the listeners on on your personal journey in the fencing world, you know how did you get started? How I mean get involved at least uh, and stuck with with fencing as a sport? Um, well, it's a it's a great question. I'll, I'll try to uh, I'll try to answer that question uh, as short as I can. But uh, <laughs> it's a long journey. Yes, it's a long journey. I mean, I know we started you know approximately the same we time, started some more or less thirty the same time. plus years ago. I I, th- I found my uh, my entry application at, at home 
a couple of years ago, and I think it says 1988 on it. So... If you guys try and uh, wind back to 1988, it was the year of the uh, Seoul Olympics. Uh, so it's just to say, it's a long time ago. I think like uh, President Reagan stopped as a president, and uh, you know, it's just just to get the listeners to understand how old we are. <laughs> and the dust settles. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So I I watched a lot of movies. I I I really love everybody who knows me knows that I'm a movie aficionado but uh, I watch a lot of movies I love the Three Musketeers and Soro uh, there was this show on television called Dick Turpin that I really like Love Dick Turpin. Um uh, was of course Star Wars was a big thing and I remember as a really 7-year-old kid I realized that all my heroes um they always ended up in a fencing fight whenever they had to to like uh, do anything important like when it came down to the final moment with their adversary then they had to to pull the sword and draw the sword i mean and then just fence and try and, and make everything right and so i thought as a seven year old kid damn i need to i need to know how to do this because It's obviously important to know, and I mean, I can't just can't stand in that situation and not know what to do. Uh, I mean, it's a good point, but were you inspired by parents or anything other than the, no, the like, movies? Um, well, my uh, my mother was a very good badminton player. My my father was not into sports whatsoever. I've never seen my father watch two seconds of sport on television. Like he did not care. My brother was an excellent ice hockey player, and so uh, the, you know my mom and my brother tried to get me to do ice hockey. I did not like that. I was really bad at uh, ice skating. Well, actually, I was pretty good at ice skating. I just never, I was just, I never got you know a really important part of it, and that was like how to break. <laughs> so, so you ended up in yeah. So I just couldn't stop, and uh, that is obviously a major issue if you want to be an ice hockey player. So that didn't work, and then, I, and then I picked fencing because of the movies, and then also I wanted to be a little bit difficult. I wanted to like choose mm. the most tiny little sport that you could think of, mm -hmm. and my mom took me very seriously, and um, she opened the phone book. That was a thing back then. And um, found out that there was a fencing club like a uh, ten minute walk from my home, um, and so, so location, so, location, so that yeah, location, <laughs> location, and so that little youth revolt that didn't work, and then uh, we got down to fencing club Trekent, and so I've been in this club all my life, and uh, yeah, my coach uh, Mayene felt portal, she welcomed me and uh, got me started, and. Uh, Yeah, that was basically how it started. And yeah, I mean, I I recognize the story, and uh, you know, again, I I had nothing to do with fencing. I mean, family-wise or anything. Yeah, maybe if my ancestry, if we went down the line, somebody would have a sword and possibly fight somebody. <laughs> But nobody knows that, and nobody told me that story. Yeah, exactly. So I just saw the the movies again, uh, and I, th you know, definitely, hence the the name of the podcast, right? The Three Musketeers. Um, is is something that that we watch, and as you say, right, you're fighting injustice. When you see that, well, you fight it with a sword, right? If you want to yeah. save the girl, yep, you fight you fight with a sword, right? That's true. So so uh, definitely a, a huge inspiration, um, and 
we also see that you know that when there's a movie including some sword fight we will see a, a, a slight up uh, intake in, in new members that wants to try the sport so it's a it's a major, major factor just to mm. be on on the television and in the media but then you know going forward on this um you know obviously being fencing being an athlete but uh, at some point you know i guess you switched um from being yeah. an athlete to being a coach? Yeah, switch into coaching. Uh, so what happened was that, uh, they, you know, the, the club got into a lot of uh, trouble around, like, late 90s, I would say, 96, 97, some time around that time. And what happened was that oh, they had this... Uh, I, I remember one, one day I got off early from high school, and then I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll just bike. We bike a lot in Denmark, by the way. I will just bike to the club and I had to help out because I had nothing else to do that day. And I walk in and there are like three kids. Two of them are playing hockey and one is getting a lesson from from the fencing coach we had at the time. And I was thinking, holy shit, what's going on here? I mean, because I was used to seeing like maybe like 20 kids working hard that's how it used to be like when, when you and I were, were kids in, in the club. And then I realized uh, that the coach needed some help uh, running the class. And so I started showing up and I found out that I was kind of good at it, that the kids actually listened to me, even though sometimes I was, I was just a tiny bit older than they were. Uh, but they actually listened to me and I think it, it was a lot of fun. And then there was this competition in Sweden. I forget exactly where it was, but that doesn't matter. I was at a competition in Sweden, and we had no coach with us at that competition. And there were several kids that were younger than me at the competition. And uh, I, between my own fights, I would go over and, and try and coach and help out. And it worked really well. And several of the kids, they, they won their, their bouts and went on and on and on. And so I had a pretty good day. And... As I was driving home to Denmark, I was thinking about the whole day and, and just realizing that I had more fun coaching than, than fencing myself. So, And then just uh, slowly got more and more involved and then started to, to build up the club. So it was actually when I, I spent most of my time in high school working at the club for free, got no money, and then as I... Uh, started at the university I continued uh, working in the club and actually like when when I finished university uh, the club had well the, the youth part of the club had come to a size that uh, could kind of support a, a, a salary and uh, yeah that's basically how it yeah, ended and up and I mean so it's interesting when you mention right being not being paid being kind of voluntary so and we recently had a, a coach visiting from the states and the situation over there is is quite different because there's a you know uh, people get paid obviously it's a it's a profession uh, it's something you do uh, and to get paid like a job but it's just a different ball game when we are looking at least to to Denmark for sure. Uh, I know that the Nordic brothers and sisters out there are kind of the same uh, in in how we are built. So I mean, there's not much money in the sport to begin with. Um, <laughs> you say that again. <laughs> exactly, and and I mean the 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 sport uh, or, or the clubs in Denmark supporting sports of every sort is 
mostly run by volunteers. I mean, they don't get paid, so there's a, I mean, a different kind of passion about this because you really, really would like to have, I mean, you are having fun when you're doing this, otherwise you would quit since you're not getting paid for mm. it, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a big difference there. Um, and I guess, so starting your coaching career in the late teens, right? Just before uh, the 20th. Mm-hmm. And definitely for myself, I'm kind of late to that game because I just recently started like, um, yeah, so <laughs> 40 years. You, you started uh, coaching Sabre actually, what, what was that, like a year ago, a little bit more than that? Yeah, so so mainly like a year ago, uh, two years. Uh, and my Sabre career in, in that context has been, you know, fairly short. I think it's six years something now. Um, you, you started out in Ippi. No, I actually started in foil, though. Oh, you started in yeah. foil. Yeah, yeah, I started yeah, 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 yeah. in foil, so coming to the same club, I, right? I it's have, a foil club. I, that's true. I have pictures of you in full foil gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Competitions. Well, you need to save those. <laughs> those are worth money, right? I think Tides is happy that we're doing a podcast, so you can't see the pictures. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and we won't share them, obviously. <laughs> no, it was a good time. It was a good time. And I mean, so, um, and in my perspective, fencing is fencing, even though we have three different weapons. It's three, ac- you know, very, very dis- uh, different disciplines, right? They share common base. They share a set of common, almost, rules for, for the three weapons with small differences but so different in nature and how you approach them, but you still, you know, fight with a sword. And I think just the learning points there for starting, you know, at least uh, I'm responsible for our adult beginners. They don't really care. They can't actually tell the difference. They are just fighting with swords and having fun. And I think that's the most important part. Also, when you're a kid, right, you stick with a sport because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't actually matter which weapon you're starting on. I was saying, like, the the fun part of it is obviously true. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but I think also people continue because it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I often hear people say, oh, the, the practice needs to be fun all the time. And then you get this this image in your head that people need to, to like run around laughing hysterically all the time. And the coach has to be like, almost like a part-time stand-up comedian and the, all the games need to be so much fun that, and you know, it's, if fun becomes the the primary objective, then sometimes you also get a little bit away from the exercises, and then you say, oh, so if it's not fun, what's the then then it's gonna be boring or something? No, I don't think so. There are many other uh, motivating feelings than just having fun. I think like making coaching interesting. Like if you have a point as a coach, if you're trying to make a point about something in fencing, whether it's tactics or whatever it is, if it sounds interesting, like if you're making a good point, people will will enjoy the practice. And I think that's true with kids, and it's true with uh, with adult beginners, and and it's you know, uh, so so I'm I don't disagree. No, and that could be a good segue to to just talk a little bit of the club and and how we are doing things. Um, obviously different from when the club was founded back in 1929, right? Yeah, so it's uh, founded uh, rooted in military tradition. And maybe you know the story better than I do. So uh, I don't know if I do actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 then we're in trouble. But we're we're the like, the oldest fencing club in Denmark, and like we will look this up for the next podcast. We'll go <laughs> definitely into the for going into the archives. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll dig deep for the next podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, we're definitely we're with the oldest fencing club in Denmark from 1929, and uh, you're totally right that we have a 
we used to have a very strong military tradition. Um, one of the first fencing masters in, in Trekanten was Captain o- Cap- Captain Olsen. Yeah, so he founded the club, right? He, I guess he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He I did. mean, rumor or history. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Vicky, Vicky said that. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! I'm so, <laughs> I'm so. On, you know, I'm. I, I have a history degree. I should be better at this right now. But uh, oh. so, sorry, but I'm sorry, sorry to put you on the spotlight. <laughs> but but he was uh, one of the first fencing masters in Tring, and maybe the first one. And uh, I, I just remember as a kid growing up, and it was always about Captain Olsen. And I, I know he's. I think he passed away in 1982. I think he did, yeah. He didn't die uh, that old uh, for some reason. I think he got cancer. But like I remember uh, starting in the club as a kid, and it was all about this guy, and everyone around me had known him, and he had been this larger-than-life person. Mm-hmm. And I still meet people, like older people, saying, oh, i was in I, I did I fenced once in Trekanten and and then they immediately start talking about this Captain Olsen and I'm you know, it would have been been fun to meet him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I actually recently found out that he's been on T V as well, right? He was uh I think he was in one scene of a Danish movie at some point. Really? Okay. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, if you look him up, uh he might be mentioned on IMDB or something like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's quite okay. a, I mean I haven't seen the clip, I haven't seen anything, so this is just um okay. off the off the net. Okay. All right. So but but again, uh, you know, circling back to what you said about the coaching and, and you know, having fun, but also uh, doing exercises with a purpose, um, getting people to listen and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of the things that, uh, you know, we do in the club, I feel, is is making the, the training exciting um, in that sense that um, when you meet up, okay, we follow the same kind of schedule, but the contents change, right? Mm. So we, we kind of make a, a full development around, you know, what, purpose or training or exercise we want to have out of that session mm. um, and support that with different exercises. So when you meet, you never really know, you know, how the warm-up will be or how the footwork will be that day mm. because that just changes. And mm. sometimes, you know, it's more fun than other. But, you know, when people feel that, that it makes, uh, I guess, a change or they can see some progress in what they're doing, yeah. um, they kind of stick with that. I mean, the worst thing is just showing up, feeling yeah, nothing. The same, right? Same it's the same. It's again. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think uh, it's okay that there are exercises that are recurring again and again because you people also need to be proficient in some disciplines. Like you need to kind of make sure that the ankle joint is really strong in fencing, so that people don't twist their ankle. Right. So obviously, you want to make some exercises about that most of the time you know there are some like classic injuries in in fencing you can do a lot in warm-up and physical training that will kind of try to prevent that but i also think you're right that there should be at least like an eight ten percent difference minimum from practice to practice so i think it's healthy that people when they're on their bike and as i say we bike a lot in denmark when they're on their bike that uh, that they uh that they're a little bit unsure about what's going to happen today there's a little tiny element of surprise uh, all the time and uh i think i think that's a very healthy thing and it's also it keeps the coach kind of searching for new exercises and new ways to do stuff and um it kind of forces you 
into a position where you have to look up stuff. You have to, like you go on YouTube or like we we the the club is based in this like wonderful sports area with a lot of different sports. So sometimes I will bike past uh, like beach volleyball and they will be doing something that looks interesting, and then you can kind of put that into your practice. And I think. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so so inspiration comes everywhere, right? So, from different sports, and I know that we have been focused a lot on on um, on finding new ways of of doing stuff, right? So, just getting inspiration and and uh, sharing knowledge, I think, is a big thing, mm. especially in in you know a day to day kind of job. I say job, but you know, some still voluntary work, but but where you just kind of get insp- inspired to do exercises in a different way because you watch one of your colleagues do an exercise a little bit different. And mm. obviously, you know, a lot of times it's just a little little different, but it totally changes maybe the perception of the exercise and and you can combine it in so many ways. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And actually, there are a lot of surprises out there. Like, we found that there are a lot of exercises from American football that are really good. Like, like I'm not an expert on f- American football. I, you not hear me do like an NFL podcast ever, but there are just a lot of elements that that are similar for some reason. Like, and people will think, "What is he talking about now?" But think about it. Like, uh, you have like a, the running back position. They work with a lot of uh, acceleration and deacceleration. They work on like a low point of gravity, like we do. They need to be aware of their surroundings and what's going on. They uh, change direction all the time. Um, and if that is not similar to fencing, I don't know what. And because football is such a big thing on YouTube, then there are like an unbelievable amount of exercises that you can do that that makes sense in fencing that's taken from American football. And like, and and you go, you watch like wrestling. They have great floor exercises, like with hand speed, like and building like upper body strength. That uh, you know, you can take stuff from wrestling even. And so, you know, going to different sports that at first have no similarities to fencing. You know, so. So I mean, I I guess I'm just thinking aloud here on on on. I mean, and that's so true for not only just uh, American football, soccer as well. I should say wrestling, a lot of other sports where you do um, feints, but but in those sports, since it's a contact sport, uh, soccer maybe not so much, <laughs> even though they push and shove. But but they, I mean, they implement body feints. We do the same, but maybe not with the body so much that with a weapon. So for for people that you know, when you're coaching somebody or, or giving them exercises, uh, a lot of times having them understanding, you know, what a feint with a weapon is, you could draw parallels to doing a feint with your body because that's something people yeah. relate to and understand. I remember uh, one of my the coaches I had when I was in my teens was uh, Boris Flamingo. He often talked about boxing, like how uh, fencing had similarities with boxing. Uh, and he was definitely thinking about lightweight boxing. I'm pretty sure I need to ask him the next time I see him. But I'm pretty sure he meant lightweight boxing, yeah. uh, with both the footwork and like feinting, like it, you know, showing that you're gonna hit with the left, but then you go and hit with your right hand instead, you know, stuff like that. And these body feints and just a way of doing it. Uh, so, so yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah, but maybe just wrapping uh, wrapping up. So looking forward, right? So a lot of uncertainty for sure. 
but what's your schedule for for the coming uh, month? Well, if uh, nothing else get cancelled because of different wars and uh, get COVID and when COVID twenty two uh, starts up, I don't know when that happens. Uh, but let's just say that uh, that uh, the world doesn't get any crazier than it is right now. Uh, well, I have a little tiny thing next weekend. We have the uh, youth Danish youth championship. So that's a that's a, well, a very small competition, but I'm uh, uh, gonna do that next weekend. Then after that, the first uh, trip abroad might even be like the World Championship in Dubai, the Youth uh, World Cadet Junior World Championship in Dubai. That's in uh, April, and then there are a lot of uncertainty about what's gonna happen with Senior Fall right now. We're uh, we're looking forward to a World Cup in Belgrade. That has been canceled now. Like, I, you can't even believe how many cancellations. Uh, but uh, that's been canceled. Then there's this rumor that the Grand Prix from Turin that was canceled because of COVID, that maybe that will reemerge sometime this spring. So that's something people are talking about, but we haven't seen anything yet. And then uh, this year we're talking about going to the uh, U23 European Championship. Uh, which is a unique thing, I think, for uh, for European fencing. So there's this uh, U23 event in Tallinn, in Estonia. Um, so we're gonna do that for the first time in many, many years. And then looking forward to the European uh, Senior Championship in uh, Antalya, in Turkey. And then finally, the World Championship in in Cairo in July. I don't know who came up with the idea to have the World Championship in July in Cairo, but guys, I really hope the air condition air works. Conditions for I, sure. I hope <laughs> the the air condition is really at its best. Um, so, and then after that, I have a vacation, and uh, yeah, and then it starts all over again. So, I, you know, I might have forgotten an event or two, but that's basically what my life looks like looks like over the next couple of uh, months. It sounds it sounds busy, and let's see if everything comes together. I guess um, that's the the big unknown. But thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, being a guest with us today. And uh, wish you all the best for the remaining uh, season. Um, thank you. And, and hope everything pans out. Thank you so much. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching for the True Musketeers podcast. You can catch this and all episodes on trekhandling.org. A big thank you to our guest today, Mr. Malte Triermark, for sharing his story with us. We'll be back with new episodes, but until then, bye for now. <laughs>